the annual religion and today we'll look at the religion of Islam so unity in Islam and since this is uh, Muslim day we're going to throw up a background from the Islamic tradition and this is uh, actually a stuff that my wife took when we were at the Alhambra Palace in the south of Spain a few years ago I hope you you enjoyed it you know, Islam is a religion of peace and completeness, wholeness, that comes when we, as we're a follower of Islam, totally dedicate ourselves, surrender, submit ourselves to God. And there is only one God, and that's Allah. And that absolutist approach can be wonderfully refreshing and deeply mystical, but also can become zealous and fundamental, and, and not always in a good way, and we'll see that, and we'll talk about that more uh, a little later in, in our talk today. Uh, the, the new religion of Islam came out of the Arabian Peninsula in the 7th century AD, um, founded by the prophet Muhammad, and it didn't come necessarily with peace, even though it was a religion supposedly of peace. It came by force of arms because um, initially Muhammad came from Medina back to Mecca and overthrew the, the powers that be there and established the new religion. And then within a century, it was taken again, by, as I said, by force of arms uh, all the way across North Africa um, uh, into Spain and, and later into France and then all the way across the Middle East. Uh, through Baghdad and almost down into India. So it's, it's zealousness, it's, it's impetus for transformation is very powerful, but like we said, often done in a, in a warlike way. This is interesting. Therein, I think, lies the tension at the heart of, of the uh, Muslim tradition, and that is between this idea of uh, the uh, dedicated to ultimate peace uh, because of surrender to God, uh, and then that uh, desire to uh, help everybody else see it that way too, and that, that's not always conducive. As I said, it began in late 6th, early 7th century AD, uh, CE, Common Era, um, in Arabia. And at that time, there were several religions that were jockeying for hegemonies or for lead positions. Um, many people believed and followed uh, some kind of polytheism. And the great shrine there, the Kaaba in, in Mecca, uh, had numerous uh, polytheistic images all around the Kaaba stone. Uh, there was also a burgeoning of both Christianity and uh, Judaism. In, in that area, and uh, it's interesting that when Muhammad uh, formulated the religion and uh, received inspiration from uh, God to, to write the Quran, the Holy Book, um, he took a lot of uh, information and understanding from these religions, especially uh, Judaism and uh, Christianity. And if we look in the, the Quran, we'll see that uh, although uh, the Muhammad did not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. He did believe that Jesus was a great prophet. And likewise, some of the prophets in the, the Old Testament in Judaism are lifted up in uh, 
Islam as well, like Moses, Abraham, Moses, um, and some of the prophets uh, that we're familiar with in the Old Testament. So it's a sort of an eclectic approach, but with uh, Muhammad's own uh, deep uh, seated understanding of what all that represented. And of course, in his mind, it was coming uh, directly from, from God. So the Quran is, is divinely inspired. Um, polytheism is something that uh, he found vernacular, and uh, he, actually it was the religion of many of the businessmen of that area um, who, who, who he felt rejected him in the earlier part of his life. And I think he really wanted to move away from any idea of, of a polytheistic understanding. And it was, he was really attracted to this idea of absolute, of one uh, unitive idea that there is only one uh, God. It's a very appealing religion in several ways because it has a Catholic simplicity. And he also laid out elements of faith and pillars that are easy to follow and understand, and yet quite uh, universal. We'll, we'll talk about those in a moment. I see many commonalities between unity and the unity five principles and Islam. Uh, for instance, in the, the first principle, there's one presence and one power. If we think that Judaism is uh, monotheistic, and we talked about that last week, um, then Islam is ultimately monotheistic, ultimately uh, unitive in, in the absolute sense that there, there is only one God. There is no God but God, right? The, the compassionate, um, the, the absolute, the transcendent God. And in the Quran it says uh, in terms of God, he begets not, nor is he begotten. Man is like unto him. So it's an absolute stance there. Um, there's no room for a son of God because God begets not. God is the one and all. And everyone must bow to that transcendent God. God has beautiful qualities, and there's traditionally 99 transcendent qualities of God. Uh, merciful and compassionate, which are, are the two that come through a couple of us because they are affirmed over and over again. Um, so, but the essence is there's so much unity, one presence and one power in the universe, this God, um, Allah, uh, who, who is the supreme uh, understanding of what divinity is. Humankind obviously is separate from God because we are a creation of God. And yet also the, the Quran states clearly that uh, we are very loved by God. Uh, and in fact, God is closer to us than our jugular vein. That's a direct quote from the Quran. So in other words, that intimacy. Remember last week we talked about the intimacy between uh, God and humankind. Uh, that the Jews understood, that Jesus understood. And we see it there again with Muhammad and, and Islam, this idea that God is intimately connected to us, loves us deeply, uh, and is closer to us than even the things that keep us alive, our, our, our arteries and our veins. So there is no Christ um, in Islam. There is, a, as, as I said earlier, is a veneration of uh, Jesus as a prophet, but no indwelling Christ presence, um, at least not in, in, in the uh, everyday understanding of Islam. When you get into the 
mystical things and I, I'll cover that a little bit. Um, then we begin to talk in similar terms to the choice within, the presence. Um, but in general, there's a distinction between God and, and creation. The creative process, you know, the uh, third principle, is very much at work in, in Islam. And in fact, it is beautifully laid out the various ways to follow this tradition in order to be free, in order to have that complete and peaceful consciousness that comes when you surrender to God. And they're, they're laid out in, in three ways. Uh, we, have, we have the five pillars of, of Islam, uh, Islam itself, which, which is um, the submission, the way to submit. And then there are the five elements of the religion, which is sometimes called Imam, the faith. So the first one is the body, then the third is the mind, the mental approach, and then the third level is the way of Ijam, which is the more mystical part, the completion of the first two, the body, mind, and spirit, and this would lead us to uh, traditions like Sufism, and Ijam is interesting because it means um, that which is very beautiful, that, that which is um, perfect, the, the full expression of, of faith and dedication that comes when we understand our, our connection to the one. Uh, and so it's the fulfillment of everything that a Muslim would, would do. So let's take a look at the, uh, these elements. The first uh, is the five pillars uh, of Islam, the, the foundation, if you like. And the, the, these five pillars are uh, dedication of faith, uh, which is um, there is no God but uh, God, Allah, and Muhammad is, is his messenger. And that, that is emphasized over and over again as the first pillar. Second pillar is prayer, the, the, the importance of prayer. And of course, traditional Muslims pray uh, several times a day, traditionally five. But those are the formal prayers, and there's other prayers as well. Um, the, the third aspect is almsgiving. And this is an addition, by the way, to tithing. Almsgiving is a certain percentage that is set aside in order to help the tribes, in order to provide for those in difficulty. That's the third pillar. The fourth pillar is fasting. And of course, you're familiar. Uh, with Ramadan, the, the month of fasting, uh, which, which basically goes on for several days. And uh, between uh, dawn and dusk, no food is to be taken. You can take food afterwards, but it's a time of reflection and uh, dedicating ourselves even more deeply, if you're a Muslim, to, to that, uh, that tradition. And then the, the fifth uh, pillar is pilgrimage to Mecca. Um, where Islam originated and is considered to be extremely um, a holy thing to do, at least once in a lifetime to go and circumambulate around the Kaaba and uh, have the blessing of being on the Hajj, on, on the pilgrimage. So those are the pillars. Um, again, laying out a life, a dedication, daily dedication, daily prayer, um, the idea of generosity, the idea of reflection, and the idea of making an effort to go to the source of the, the religion, the, the earthly source in Mecca. 
the elements uh, take it at a level more into the consciousness, into the space. Um, how do we apply these basic pillars in our lives? Again, the first element is simply to keep magnifying God, to lift up God uh, as this great one presence and one power. Uh, I believe in angels, divine messengers uh, that connect us uh, to God in some way. Uh, the angel Gabriel figures in, uh, in Islam as well as others. Um, so it's, it's the idea that it's more than one here than just the physical. There, there's a spiritual presence uh, symbolized by by angels. Um, the third element are scriptures and messengers. And as we said earlier, uh, Jesus is considered one of the messengers, as is Moses. Uh, the scriptures, of course, the, the dominant scripture is the, the Quran. Um, but there are oral sayings that have sometimes now been written down, um, purportedly said originally by Muhammad called Hadith. Uh, and, and these are secondary in importance to the Quran, but they're still uh, important. There's a wonderful book that I found too. It's called The Muslim Jesus, and it has 300 sayings purportedly said by Jesus. Some are combined in the Gospels, are very similar to the Gospels. Some are unique to, to Islam, and I find them very, very fascinating. So that was a wonderful book to, to come across. Um, the fourth uh, element is judgment day that uh, in some way there, there is a, a karmic understanding, um, often considered to be at the end of your life, um, but in more mystical circles in Islam, it's considered that every day is judgment day. I think you'd agree with that in, in reality. Um, the idea that, uh, that you, can't, you don't get out of here scot-free, there is a consequences for our actions. And then the, the fifth uh, element is the omnipresence of divine will and providence throughout the universe. And uh, uh, Muslims are, are always saying it's God wills it because they understand that God's will is paramount uh, and that we need to be in alignment with God's will. We're not trying things uh, over from God. That there's that uh, humility that is is really important, hugely important uh, if we're to come into right relation. Uh, before I talk about the third element, the element of mysticism, we can say that uh, there are many saints in, in Islam. Uh, the two dominant ones, of course, are Sunni and uh, Shia, and uh, sometimes they're at loggerheads with each other. Uh, the dominant, uh, uh, I'd say the, the majority of people are Sunni, but uh, quite a substantial minority are Shia, especially in um, Iraq and Iran. And uh, it, it, it comes about from some um, confusion or, or disagreement as to the, the, the tradition that came from Muhammad and who, who was the rightful successor of him. Um, so two people are erroneous in the uh, disagreement, right? So um, but, uh, you can get into that in my book a little more. Uh, but uh, the, these, these are the two main threads. There, there are some interesting texts. And of course, the, the mystical uh, branch, Sufism, which is often misunderstood and somewhat fundamental. Um, Muslims do not like Sufism because it smacks of um, communion with God in that other subtext. But to us, in reality, uh, Sufism is essentially wonderful because it speaks the same language as the Christian mystics and Hindu mystics. It's just the idea of it's not just the 
from God at a time center that God is as imminent deep within us, the presence within us as love. And uh, I'll just point out two two ideas in um, in Sufism, and, and one is Nika, which which is um, a bit like Japa in in um, in Hinduism, um, or, or repetition of the word in, in Catholicism or Christianity. And that's the idea of endless repetition of, of the holy word uh, in order to bring it back to the center, um, and often done with a with a, a with phrases. Um, and another is karma, which which is uh, a term that means annihilation. In, in order to understand who you truly are, you have to let go of who you think you are. You have to annihilate your false self so that your true self can stand forth. And, and of course, that that is a, a fascinating uh, idea, isn't it? And I, I think you know we're afraid of surrender sometimes because so who's going to be left? Um, but as many of the mystics say, there is no you. Um, there is only the true spirit, which is way beyond your your personality and and the limits of your body mind. And and so the same idea uh, comes out there in um, in Islam, especially in 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 Sufism. Um, we're in an unfortunate period at this time where um, fundamentalist elements within uh, Islam. Uh, tend to dominate at times and have very little understanding of anything uh, in terms of mysticism. Uh, they're very literal-minded, and so they interpret the, the Quran in a very literal way, um, which, again, can lead to all kinds of strife and difficulty. And uh, just as any kind of fundamentalism is, it can be problematic. Uh, but this is not the true Islam, I don't think. Uh, this is not the true intent of uh, the Quran, which is very all-embracing. Um, again, talking about jihad, the, the struggle, um, uh, which can be interpreted externally, maybe a jihad, uh, a righteous war against the infidels. But the, the true jihad, as it says in the Quran, the true jihad, the true struggle, is the internal struggle with your own soul, with your own self overcoming selfishness so you can understand the truth of your being as a beautiful child of the divine. Uh, and so, you know, take it as you will, but there's many levels of interpretation. I'm inspired personally by uh, the architecture and poetry and design uh, and, and sheer tradition, scientific, philosophical of Islam. Uh, because uh, traditionally, uh, Islam, Islam artists were not allowed to perform human figures, certainly never praying to pray God. And so they relied on geometric shapes and uh, patterns and have created some of the most amazing architecture in the world. I've been fortunate to go to places like Isfahan in, in Iran, uh, see some of those beautiful places with wonderful um, temples and beautiful mosques and uh, Houses in, in Spain, as I mentioned, the Alhambra, Cordova, um, and, and other places around this world where we see these amazing uh, feats of architectural glory and masterpieces. So, Islam can be problematic, but it has a very clear idea of who it is in the sense that it has beautiful ways to follow uh, the pillars in, in terms of how. We live our lives, the, the, the elements in terms of how we 
submitted our consciousness to open to God, and, and then the third element, the spirit, which is beautifully uh, embodying the, the, the essence of who we are. Um, I'd like to read a short poem that I love by uh, the great uh, Sufi poet, Hafiz, um, and uh, you may be familiar with it, but it just says something so beautifully unifying to me. It says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the whole sky. And for me, that's the essence here. Beautifully um, put forward there in those three words, the essence of unitive thinking, right? Um, God so loves the world, to quote the, the gospel, that he gave, gave completely, utterly, like the sun gives light completely, unconditionally, and never asking for anything back. And, and so that kind of unconditionality leads to light transformation beauty. And we are the expression of that light and that love in the universe right now. And so it's our, our joy to receive that with gratitude and then go forward to be light uh, and love in our world. So that's the, uh, the religion of Islam. Next week, we'll move down into India, and we'll talk about the endlessly fascinating religion of Hinduism. Join me then. Goodbye.